chains the world had a hold of me my heart was a stone I was covered in shame when he came for me I couldn't run couldn't run from his presence I couldn't run couldn't run from his arms Jesus, he loves me, he loves me, he is for me. Jesus, how can it be? He loves me, he is for me. It was a fire deep in my soul. to the light when he called my name I couldn't run couldn't run from his presence I couldn't run couldn't run from his arms Jesus he loves me he loves me he is for me great to see you guys here on a warm July day and uh, it's just an honor isn't it to be able to gather together we're so thankful that as things change we can still gather and worship the Lord and if you're visiting with us today we want to encourage you to make yourselves at home um, if you need anything please see one of our staff see one of our members we would love to direct you or answer any questions that you have especially if you're visiting today we'd encourage you to stop by our guest table in the lobby please get pick up a guest bag it has more information on the church we'd also encourage you to fill out the care card in your bulletin and you can drop that in the basket as you leave. Um, but right now I'm going to ask everyone to stand as we begin to worship. I want to read a passage of scripture from Psalm 89. Verse 1 says this, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will, make, will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. This morning as we've gathered to worship, I want to encourage you to sing. You know what, we sing out of obedience to the Lord. If you look in Scripture, that is an ongoing command that we are to sing to the Lord. So I encourage you to sing out of obedience. I encourage you to sing so that we together can declare the faithfulness of our God. And according to this passage, that we sing of the faithfulness of God together, not just for you, but for every generation so that we can declare his truth. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and let's just prepare our hearts for worship. God, thank you for the privilege of being in this place May you be honored today in everything we say, everything we do, everything we sing. May it be from our hearts. 
Lord, to bring you honor and glory. Thank you for the honor and privilege to allow us to be here together in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.
let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to call a few names, and I want you to pray for these people. I want you to pray for Jane Sharp and her family. Jane's in the hospital. They need our prayers. I want you to pray for Sonny Starnes this morning. Sonny's not well. He's in Mission Hospital in Asheville. Danielle Miller's sister passed away. I want you to remember that service today. Pray for them and the loss of a sister and a family member. Let's pray together. Father, what a day that will be. What a day that will be when we see you face to face. What a day that will be when we embrace your very presence. This morning we thank you, the Lord, that you're a very present help in time of need and trouble. God, that means you're here. Lord, that means you're alive. Lord, that means that you're more than alive than ever. And Father, you live within us, and we thank you for that, the Holy Spirit. But Father, we ask this morning that you'd forgive us of our sins and fill us with yourself. Lord, that we might worship you in freedom. And Lord, that we might worship you in spirit. And Father, may everything that's done and said here bring you honor and glory. For you're worthy of all praise and you're worthy of all honor and you're worthy of all glory. And Father, this morning, we just come to thank you for who you are. We stand before you as your child, forgiven, receiving mercy and grace. We thank you for that this morning. But Father, we want to pray for Jane, for her family. Lord, be with them during this time. Be with Sonny and his family. Be with Danielle Miller and her family. Lord, I pray you'd bring them great comfort today in the services. And Father, we would just want to thank you that you're always with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You're always with us because we're in your presence. Lord, we are with you and you're with us. And Father, we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Yeah. 
Thank you so much, Lori. I'd, I'd rather hear Lori Marshall sing that song than anybody else on the planet, hadn't you? Let's give the Lord another hand clap, please. And as she goes down, I would like to ask you a question, Lori. If Mark ever leaves the church, will you say? <laughs> I just want to know. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 25 and stand with me. We've been talking about the life of David. And one of the themes, when I started the first message on David, I think the last point of, of, of what made him a great king was the fact that he placed his trust in God. It's the one character quality throughout. Look, David had ups spiritually. He had downs spiritually. He had ups in his circumstances that he had no control over. Ups, just wonderful things, and then downs. And then morally, David had ups and he had downs. But through it all, David placed his trust in God. And the question today that I want to ask you is who do you trust? Who do you really trust? Can you trust God? Can you trust people? David would tell you today, trust the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 11. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways. Now notice that. That word ways is basically meaning God's way or his will in your life. Help me to understand what's going on. Have you ever asked that question? Lord, help me to understand why my life is this way. Then he says this. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. He's still just saying, God, I just want to understand what's going on. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. And when he says salvation, he's saying, you're making a way through the way. I trust you. You're making this tight place wide. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness. Now he's getting real. For you are from old, do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. God, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. See, 
some of, one of the reasons that we doubt and don't trust God, David lists two things here. I don't understand your way. I just don't understand it. I really don't trust what's going on here. Or, Lord, I got sins and I'm not dealt with. And that'll cause us to doubt. But in verse 11, David just gets honest. And David says this, I'm guilty. I'm just guilty. And I'll tell you, the invitation today is if you're guilty, just be honest with the Lord. Because you'll never fully trust Him if you are. Okay? Trust God with your salvation. Trust God with your situation. Trust God with your uh, 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 sin. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God today. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to tell you that we love you. Father, we want to thank you that we can trust in you. Lord, if we can't share our soul with anybody else, Lord, we can you. Lord, I pray that a multitude of people in this congregation today would just trust you with their sin, struggle, whatever they're going through. Lord, help them to trust. I see so many faces of so many people that have been through so many situations. And the one common theme in this church is they trusted you through it all. So, Lord, help us today to trust you. And, Father, I want to thank you for David and for his life and for how real he is through all these things that he goes through. And, Lord, I've learned so much about myself just by studying David. And, Lord, we all can. But, Father, I pray that this, this is a church that is where it is today because we just placed our trust in you. And you made a way where there seemed like there was no way. So, Father, we thank you today for that. And, Lord, I pray that we would not doubt. Father, I pray that we wouldn't be ashamed of our, ourselves, but, Lord, we would just trust you with our soul. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When people ask, like, why, when was this written? There's debate on it, but probably the overwhelming consensus is that this happened when David's oldest son, Ammon, raped, listen to this, raped his half-sister Tamar. Tamar's brother Absalom took revenge by murdering Ammon. Absalom fled into exile for several years, but later was permitted to return. But after his return, David refused to see his wayward son for two years. The resentment built, and Absalom began to, to court the disgruntled people of the kingdom, offering himself as a more sympathetic king, more sympathetic leader than his powerful father was. And he gave counsel to others, and the people of the kingdom started like an Absalom more than David. Finally, David pieced together a strong, or Absalom pieced together a strong conspiracy, and David realized that to survive, he had to flee the, cap, the capital immediately with all of his supporters and all of his families and all of their servants and the little ones grabbed what they could and they took off towards the wilderness. David followed them, weeping and walking barefoot with his head covered in shame. John MacArthur said this, This is David's most traumatic, humiliating experience in his entire life. Everything that he'd spent his life working for had suddenly unraveled. He goes on to say this, Many whom he had thought were his allies and friends had abandoned him, sided with his rebellious son, and the most painful wound of all was the treachery and betrayal of Absalom, his, his son. It brought home to David his own failure as a father, one son was murdered, a daughter was raped, and the murderer was now, after his own father's life, in addition to his kingdom, life was falling apart for David. And if you go to 2 Samuel 11, that's where it happened. His sin with Bathsheba. Nathan said, you're the man. Trouble from now on for you, David. Now listen, it gets worse. One scholar says this psalm was written, most believe, after Absalom had been killed. During the battle, David was trying to keep Absalom safe, but he dies. And Joab can't understand why David is so hurt over it, and David weeps, and this is what he said. Oh, Absalom, oh, Absalom, would that I had died in your place. And then David asked himself this, who can I trust with my sin, my struggle, and my situation that I'm in? Let me ask you a question. Who can you trust? Who can you really trust with your struggles? Who? Can you trust your spouse? Ladies, can you trust your husband with your struggles? I'm not talking about the good things in your life. I'm talking about the bad things in your life. Men, can you trust your wives to be open and honest and bear your soul? Can you? And it stay between you? Your friends, do you really have friends that you can really tell your struggles about? Now, this is Alexander County where people put other people's struggles on Facebook. God help us. Do you have anybody you can trust? I mean, a friend that you could share your struggles with and know that it's going to go to the grave with them. Stop and think about that for a second. Not the good in you, but the bad. Who can you really trust? 
When it comes all down to it, who can you really trust in life? Can you think of anyone that, you, that comes to you and you'd never tell us, oh, listen, I counsel a lot of people. And this is what I tell people. Stays here, it goes to the grave. And guess what? It stays here and goes to the grave. It stays here and goes to the grave. Do you have anybody in your life that you could go to right now and just be honest about, look at David, and just bear your soul? You know who David went to? I think David went through his contact list. Nope, 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 nope. Not her. No, absolutely not. Then he probably went through his friends list. Nope, not one. But you know who he could go to? The Lord. Now notice the choice to trust here. The choice to trust. Notice verses 1 and 2. What's the word trust mean? Reliance on the integrity, strength, ability, surety of a person or a thing. Confidence in something. Trust is vital for any relationship to work. If you lose trust in a marriage, your marriage will never be what it should be. When you think about the Proverbs 31 woman, and many scholars believe that this is Bathsheba, Bathsheba giving Solomon advice on how to find a woman. He says, if you can find a virtuous woman, it's the most priceless thing in the world. She's more valuable than rubies. You know what the one quality that she lists first? The heart of her husband safely trusts her. That's why I say, can you trust your spouse? Can you trust your spouse? Can you be open and honest with your spouse? How many of you lock your doors at night? Why? You don't trust nobody? <laughs> I lock, my doors are locked out here. I don't trust y'all. No, I'm just kidding. My, my, my car doors are locked. Think about it. Why are we reluctant to share things with others? Because we don't trust each other. Do not give me a book and expect it back because I'll keep it for six years. I'll try not to, but I just am. Listen, trusting God is a choice. Notice what he says. To you, O Lord, I lift up my what? Soul. The word soul is used 750 times in the Old Testament. It describes the immaterial part of you. It's not your flesh. It's you. The part of you that's going to live forever. It's the part where Paul says, my outer man is decaying, but boy, my inner man, is getting better. Paul says, if you look at me, I'm just like a shell of a man, but on the inside, I'm the strongest I've ever been. Okay? It's the part of you that God wants. God don't care about this or you, how you look on the inside. That's why in Proverbs 31, it says, charm is deceitful, beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she'll be praised. You'll praise her at her funeral. Because as she got older, she got more beautiful in her soul. This is the part that God wants, the part that God needs. This is the part that David is saying to him. He's saying, God, I'm giving you my soul, the real me. Who can you get real with? Only those you trust. See it? See, only those, only those that, that you trust you can get real with. When is the last time that you've been real with God? I'm amazed that some people are more open and honest with the counselor than they are the king of kings. Jesus called himself the wonderful counselor, right? When's the last time? Visually, it's the idea of lifting up one's soul to God is signified by stretching out one's arm. Just like David saying, God, this is all I got for you. This is, I'm being real with you for the first time in his life, probably. I'm just bearing out my soul. Then he says this. Look at what he says. Oh, my God, I trust you. Look at that word for God. He's saying you're all-powerful, Elohim, creative, almighty. What David is saying is you can do anything for my soul. You can do anything. You can do anything. Listen, think about this. What that means is, God, you have the power to provide strength for what I need. David is saying, I trust Elohim. He can do anything. How did he know? He had a history with God. Back in the old days when he walked with God and he placed great trust in him, he killed a lion, a bear. He killed Goliath and cut his head off with a sword. And we studied this, but I'll read it. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God, the Elohim of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut your head off. Why? Because God can do anything. All-powerful. And he says, oh, my God, the all-powerful one, I put my trust in you. Listen, I know a lot of people are confident in their abilities, but David was confident in God. I remember when the, when the you remember the flood when it happened here. We put a lot of trust in Elohim here. I remember a news reporter, it was, I don't remember what day, we'd moved the campers, our whole staff, and like three women from DSS from Conover to Statesville, like, six, I don't know, 50 or 60. And I got back, either that day or the next day, a news reporter came, will you do an interview? I said, yeah, I'll do an interview. I said, yeah, I'll do another one. You know, I don't know how many I did, it's so many. 
And what you do when you do those interviews, you just talk to the news reporters about everything. And, and I remember after I'd done the interview, I had made him stop seven or eight times. I just had to. Uh, and he goes, you know, you really put yourself out there, didn't you? I said, what are you talking about? He said, show this picture. He said, look at my phone. This is off the record. He says, you're telling everybody you're going to take care of these people. He said, that's a pretty bold statement. And I said, yeah, it is. And this, this is what I told him. I'll never forget it. I said, I, actually, what I'm doing is I'm putting God out there, and I just believe he'll come through. I said, I honestly believe that God will come through. And this is when we didn't have a plan. There was no plan. It was either a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. And that's when on Thursday night I was sitting in my recliner crying out to God, Elohim. And I got a call from a man who knew Samaritan's Purse. And I just thank God. Listen, do you trust him? Do you really trust him? Is God all-powerful or not? See, we were put in a situation where we, we didn't know, we, we didn't have help. I was just saying, God, all we got is you. And we got people that are homeless. That's all we got. You've got to come through. And God, I trust you in my soul that you'll come through. But not only that, what David is saying this, God, not only do you have the power to provide strength, but you have the power to touch my soul. One, one scholar says, years later, David is back, and this thing is a lot bigger than Goliath. And he goes on to say, family problems will be the biggest giant you'll ever face. At times, it's worse than sickness. And I'll tell you this, I've seen men and women die with grace with, with all certain diseases, and I've seen uh, moms and dads just waste away because of children's troubles. And that's where David is. And he's saying, God, I can't fix this situation, but I trust in you. But notice this, the barriers to trusting. And the one barrier is always doubt. Notice verses 4 and 5. The one barrier is always doubt. And what causes doubt is this. Notice what David says. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. And what he's saying is this. Will you tell me why this is happening? Can you tell me why this is happening? What was causing him some doubt is David didn't understand everything that was going on in his life. He understood his sin part. But there's a lot of other things in David's life. He says, why did this happen? Ways in the past is not really a prayer for God's guidance, but David wants to understand God's pattern, God's will, or why. God, how is this situation going to work out? Hosea put it this way, for the ways of the Lord are right. And let me tell you something. God's way in your life is right. Can't explain it, but it's just right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble. And what he's saying is this. If you're walking with God, even though your way may be rocky, you're going to make it through. Now, a transgressor, a person who's sinful, they're just going to ask, why, 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 why? And they'll turn from God. Bad times or hard times will make you better or bitter. Isaiah put it this way, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as, heaven, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And God says, just trust me. Why is this happening? I don't know. And God's saying, just trust me. This is my way for your life. It just is. I don't understand it, never will understand it, may never understand. You know, God has different ways of doing things. I've served three churches, and all three do different things different. I worked in two furniture factories, and they did two ways. Of, every one of them did ways different. God's ways are different than ours. And listen to this, church. What looks like a tragedy may just be the best way for God to do something in your life. I don't understand it. I've stood over graves and not understood it. Don't try to anymore. I just don't. I walked to God too long. He's not going to tell me. I'm not going to tell you either. Trust his ways. And David is saying, God, I want to understand your way. What's going on? It reminds me of James when he says, when you're in a trial, be quick to hear and slow to speak. Be quick to hear and slow to speak. And I, I don't think he's talking about just, just the people, but be quick to hear and be slow to speak to God because he's not going to tell you right off the bat. I know when I'm, when I'm counseling with people, sometimes I'll say, you're in day one on this trial. When's it going to end, preacher? I don't know. Job didn't know, did he? That was God's way for Job. Daniel, one of the most brilliant men to ever live, ended up in the lion's den and lived his whole life in another country. That was God's way. Look at Jonah. That was God's way. Moses, 40 years in the desert. That was God's way. Abraham, Abram, go, leave. That was God's way. Peter, 
Paul gave up everything. One of the most educated men the world has ever known. Could have been anything. And God says, no, nah, you're going to live a hard life. And then look at our Savior. That was God's way. I remember I was having a, just a, a hard day here at church. And I said, I got to get out. And I don't know where you go when you're having a tough day, but I go to TJ Maxx, right? A, a $12 Oakley shirt will just make your day better. And I remember when I was sitting in that vehicle, I got a call, and this is from a family that our staff says, why do bad things keep happening to these people? They're such good people. We, we've said it in staff meetings. I don't understand it. How much more? I remember saying to Mark or Kevin, how much more could they take? I don't know if I could take it. And I was talking to their daughter, and she says, is it okay to ask why? I says, lady, in your life, I'm asking why. I don't know. You know what we came to the conclusion of? We're just going to trust God's way. We just got to trust his way. Because God's not going to tell you. You may never see why, but this is what I told her. Just trust him, trust him, trust him. Trust him. I don't know what God's way is in your life right now, but just trust him. See, because if not, God's way will cause you to doubt and you'll not trust him. I've seen people leave this church, not many, because this is a mature church, not many, because they just could not understand God's way and they were mad at God's way in their life. I'm not talking about something they caused. I'm talking about things out of their control, right? And what David says in verse 5, he says this, teach me your past, teach me. You're the God of salvation, he says in the next verse. And what that means, one scholar says, you're the God of my salvation means to make wide. A person's in a tight place and they ask God to make it wide. And that's not just get me out of trouble. It's God, help me, help me in, your, in, your, in your infinite wisdom to kind of understand that you're sovereign and you're in control. So I don't trust God's way will cause you to doubt. And then in David's life, bless his heart, sin will cause you to doubt. What a sinner David was. Notice verse 6, he says this, Remember, O oh Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness. And what he's saying is, God, you, you forgive me so many times. And then notice what he says in verse 7. He says this, Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. You know why? Because he's, he's suffering right now from the sins of his youth. David is an older man, John Philip says, but he's suffering for earlier sins that God told him would happen. David is in a cave running from his son. David is suffering the consequences of his sin, and God said, because of this, your sons will rebel. You know, you know how it started? David was a king. Everything in his life was taken care of, and God told him this, don't multiply wives. Don't do it. And then listen to what 2 Samuel 11, the Bible says this, but David remained in Jerusalem, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired, inquired about the woman. Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. That's not like your grandpa getting mad because you've done something. And David suffered in his suffering. This is why he wrote Psalm 25, because of his sin. And David spent a long period of time breaking his trust with God. Long period of time. But verse 11 is pivotal. Notice what verse 11 says. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. You know what David's saying? I'm guilty. I'm guilty. You know, I hear people all the time call sin a mistake. Sin is never a mistake. It's not a mistake. A mistake is when you make a wrong turn, right? David committed adultery. That's not a mistake, right? And what David is saying this, for your namesake, O Lord, I'm the king, God, for your honor and your glory. Pardon my iniquity. That word iniquity means my perverted self, my immoral self. For it is, what's the word? Have you ever been that honest with God about your sin? Ever in your life? Have you ever been that honest with God about your sin? I am guilty. I am guilty. I did it. I confess it. It was wrong. I'm sorry. I did it. God, forgive me. How old is David now? And he's getting his things out with the Lord. He says, I know that the consequences of some of this is because of my sin. David desperately needed forgiveness, and he lays his sin down. This is his heart. When is the last time you've laid your soul down and said, God, forgive me of my sin? Be glorified in my repentance. Is there something you need to lay down in this church this morning? Hey, there's places all over this church I've laid stuff down. All over. There's a, there's a seat three rows from the back at Woodstock, Georgia, where I laid stuff down. 
Didn't walk down at an invitation. Nobody's business with God's. When is the last time you just laid it down? See, you'll always doubt God if you keep unconfessed sin in your life. You always will doubt it because your soul's not clean before Him. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness, right? Cleanse us, the Bible says. David is asking that. 1 John 1, 9, God cleanse me, God forgive me, pardon me, my iniquity is great, I am guilty. And all the world is going to read about it. If you're going to trust the Lord with your soul, you must be honest with yourself and your sin. It will cause you to doubt over and over and over again. You'll never get victory. It'll always be there. And let me tell you this, can't no one repent for you. Ladies, you can't repent for your husband. Husband, you can't repent for your wives. Teenagers, your mom and dad can't repent for you. You've got to repent for yourself. Is there anything in your life that you need to lay down? If you don't lay it down, I promise you this, you'll doubt forever. You'll doubt forever. There'll never be this complete, honest trust that you have with the Lord. And your, and your relationship with the Lord will always be shallow, and you'll never have victory that you need. So we've seen the choice to trust. That's up to you. We've seen the barriers to trusting. That's up to you. And then we see the benefits of trusting. That's up to you. What are the benefits of trusting? Psalm 25.3. I want to read it in this version. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. And what he's saying is this. No one who goes to God's way and God's will will regret it. I will trust you. Listen. Notice these, these benefits up here. When you, when you trust God, you say this. I will trust God's plan for my life, whatever it is. God, I'll trust your plan for my life, whatever it is. Often think about where would I be today had I not surrendered to the ministry? I wonder where I'd be today. You know, that was a choice I made to say yes to God's will for my life. I wonder where I would be. And then I always wonder this. I wonder where I'd be if I hadn't said yes to come to East Tozel. I've showed you all this before. Did you see this little yellow piece of paper? I'll keep it as long as I can. Now, I was a youth pastor in another church. God blessed our ministry greatly. And then I had this decision to come here as your associate pastor. That was the hardest decision of my life. Becoming pastor was not hard. But leaving that church to come here when God was blessing what I was doing and I loved it, I just felt, and, and I was at a funeral, a graveside funeral at Antioch Baptist Church probably about eight, not eight years ago, probably about seven years ago. And the custodian of the church I was at brought, had a box and she always took pictures. She said, look at all these youth pictures that I got. And I was looking at them. I said, man, I was so skinny. <laughs> and you know, you got all these things, all these kids, all these great memories. She says, you remember this? I said, yeah. I wrote it down. It said 10.07 a.m. August 5th, 2002. I will submit to you. I will go where you ask me, I trust you. Change my life forever. A little piece of paper. You know what you need to do about with God's plan in your life? Just write it down. And before God tells you what he wants you to do, just say yes. Just say yes. And say, God, I'll put sticky notes all over my wall because God's blessed my life being here. I'm so humbled and honored to be your pastor. Only church I've ever pastored, only church I ever will pastor. It all started with a little sticky note. I was back, I talked to the pulpit committee here. Great people, struggling in my soul. And I just said, I got to write it down. Got to write it down. Sometimes you just need to write it down. Will you trust God's provision for your life? Look, look, at, this, look at this building. You know why we have this place? Because of God's provision. This was an oil company. What was it called? Little oil company? Then something else? You know, and we, we tried so much to get this place. And then we just, I remember it had what kind of, I called it chicken wire. It wasn't chicken wire around this. It was so bad. And I remember we, me and Steve, he was on the deacon board, and we just made a decision. Hey, let's just touch that fence and pray. I said, I'm not trying to be super spiritual, but if God wants us to have this place, we'll get it. We'll get it. And we just did that. I don't know for how long, years, right? And then got a call from Danny Dyson that changed my life. 
And it's amazing how this property that we had voted in 2004 to buy for $175,000, ultimately we got for $22,000 because of generous donations from people. Do you trust him? I mean, do you trust him? If God can give a church land because he knows the future, all right? You know, if we didn't have this building and COVID hit you, we'd still be in a parking lot, all right? God knows what he's doing. And, and you, had a, you had a group of men deacons who trusted God's provision for the life of this church. And if God can bless a church that way, he can handle your problems, right? And then I will trust God's protection for my life. There's a story in the Bible where, where, where the Assyrians are coming down, and I, I believe it's uh, King Hezekiah. He receives a letter from the king of Assyria. It says, give up or you're doomed. And you know what he did? He just went up in the temple and just spread the letter out before the Lord and said, I'm just going to trust you. And God took care of it. Do you trust God's protection for your life? If God can handle the Assyrians, he can handle your situation however he wants to. And then the final and most important thing is this. I will trust Jesus as Savior of my life. I'm going to ask our musicians to come now, if you will. And what that means is this. I believe in God, not the Bible for salvation. I believe in Jesus, not baptism for salvation. I believe in the resurrected Christ, not my good works for salvation. I trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as payment for my soul. That's what I'm trusting in now. So much so as I followed him as my Lord for these last several years. And I would ask you to do that as well. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, let me ask you this question. Do you trust God? Christian, do you trust God with your future? Will you trust God with your past? If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in the Lord, will you trust God with your soul? And I'm asking you to trust him now. And as our musicians play, let this be your prayer. God, I trust in you. And bear your soul to him. Bear your soul to the Lord right now. You may be here and say, I don't have anybody else. Well, you have Jesus and trust him. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus today, trust him. We are made right with God when we trust in Jesus. Trust him today. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. Father, I'm sure there are many people in here today who lack trust in other people but I pray that they'd place their trust in you. There are many Christians today who life has just beat them up. I pray, Lord, that they would still trust in you. Lord, there, there are many of us in here that have struggles. Lord, help us to trust you with that. Help us to be like uh, Psalm 25, 11 says, Lord, I am guilty and I trust you to forgive me. Your mercies are new every morning. Blot out my sin and cleanse me, Lord. And Father, we'll forever thank you and praise you that we have a God that we can trust in. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me as Sharon leads us in a, in a couple courses of a song and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you very much. Thank you for that, that message this morning, Jamie. Uh, it's, it's easier to, to say it than to do it, I think, to, to put your full trust in the Lord. 
Um, but I do want to mention two things before you guys leave. One is today is the deadline for summer camp for our kids. So if you guys are rising third through fifth grader, uh, if you will just catch me today before uh, you leave and let me know, uh, preferably to turn in your paperwork and a deposit so we can get you on the roster. After tomorrow, I will call and knock our numbers down to match what we've got paperwork-wise. So I'll have to call and add based on need uh, with LookUp. So assuming they have room, we can add. If not, we can't. So make sure today before you leave that you turn in your paperwork for that. Also, we have uh, our VBS t-shirts. They're here this year. Uh, They're in the lobby back there. Not the lobby, but in the um, old fellowship hall. So uh, today, if you are a volunteer, you have signed up, you filled out the blue sheet, uh, you can come back through. Uh, I have this list here. You can highlight your name to notify me that you picked up your shirt, and then you can take your shirt, and then you can have it, wash it dry, have it ready for next Sunday morning. Uh, if you want to wear it next Sunday morning, you can. Um, there is a short little one-minute video for, for uh, VBS. You can leave as that's playing. You don't have to watch it. If you want to stay and watch it, you can. Great. If not, go home, go eat some lunch. And uh, if you need something to do this week, give me a call. VBS, we're going to transform the church over the whole week. So call me. I can get you plugged in. So hope you guys have a great rest of the day.